Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's your sort of uh, stance on Andy Murray? I personally can't see him ever challenging for a Grand Slam or reaching the top 10 again just because of the level that's at the top of the moment. Hey everyone, my name is Danilo Petrovic. I'm Ilya Marchenko. I'm Dennis Kuda. I'm Evgeny Donsko. I'm Henry Larson. I'm Peter Turepko and you're listening to the Game to Love podcast. So, welcome back to the Game to Love podcast. And today we have a special guest, Dan Roddenby from uh, Tennis Work, is it? Yes, Tennis Brain Work, yeah. So, how are you doing today? Yeah, all right. Um, still stuck in lockdown, obviously, but can't wait to get the Australian Open going. Obviously, it's not the most exciting weekends, especially. Um, so, to have a Grand Slam tennis event is brilliant to have even have it on, I think. Obviously, yeah. having had the best preparation with the players in lockdown and that situation going on, um, but just have a Grand Slam tennis event. I don't think we can complain, and hopefully, we get you know a quality two weeks of tennis. Yeah. So before we get on to the actual tennis, let's actually find out a bit about you. So for those who don't know, you've, you're a blogger, tennis blogger, big tennis fan, yeah, um, Djokovic fan. You love yeah. women's tennis as well, British tennis. You're big on that. Yeah, um, you do. I've seen. I've, I've read some of your blogs. I think they're very good, very concise. You do a very good job on that, and also you've got a YouTube channel as well. So if, yeah. if you guys want to listen to that and you want to watch that, please do, and um, just let them know what your channel name is so they can go over and subscribe. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, so I've always liked tennis. My mum's a big tennis fan. Uh, started off like probably most British tennis fans, just watching Wimbledon as a kid on BBC. Yeah. Just went from there. I went to university and doing sports journalism. Um, always been a massive fan of loads of different sports, football, tennis, boxing, cricket. Um, but university, I decided that tennis was the sport that I wanted to really work in. And I wanted to try and help improve British tennis and give our low-ranked players more exposure. And started off with a tennis blog, just writing articles, um, tournament previews, stuff like that. Started up my tennis Twitter account. Yeah. And then the more and more tennis I've watched and listened to and followed, I've liked the idea of doing commentary and analysis stuff I've presented. So I thought the best way of improving those sort of skills was probably to set up a YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, so I've done that last January, actually, just before the Australian Open. Just do tournament previews, um, men's and women's events. I've interviewed 12 or 13 British tennis players, just talking about their careers, you know, future aspirations, how they got into the sport. And... Yeah, just going from there, looking to this year, I'm hoping to get to a couple of events, hopefully Wimbledon and Nottingham, working as some sort of media assistant, just doing some experience. Um, Yeah, just keep up with the YouTube channel, interviewing more and more British tennis players, 
um, reviewing and previewing more tournaments stuff like that. So just keeping busy and hoping some opportunities come up very soon. Really. Oh, that's awesome, mate. It sounds it sounds great. And um, you are definitely the man to talk to about British tennis. Obviously, me and Ben, we try and cover it as much as we can. Uh, we're very happy with the, obviously, Francesca Jones qualifying for the Australian Open. That's yeah. massive news, and we're going to be cheering her on the whole way. Yeah. Uh, on the men's side right now, we're going to be having the ATP Cup happening. And yeah. Team GB, they're not there this year, which is a bit a bit annoying, I think. Um, yeah, disappointing, yeah. Because we do have the talent. Um I know you're very in favour of the talent we have on the on the GB side. Me and Ben are a bit negative at times. Yeah. Andy Murray has been carrying the flag for so long. Who is next in line to carry it? For us, we really like the young guy, Jack Draper. But I'm sure yeah, you yeah. know probably other names as well. Yeah, I think Jack Draper is definitely the first one to look to. We know he reached yeah. that junior Wimbledon final. Um, I think Ryan Penniston is a player that will climb the rankings pretty quickly. Um He's got a great story. He had cancer as a, at a very young age, um, two okay. or three years old, I think he was. And Ryan went to US college tennis, won loads and loads of titles at Memphis University. Okay. Um, turned pro in, I think it was 2018, and actually had some very good results last year and this year. But obviously, last year in 2019, sorry. But, similar to Norrie then. I think Norrie went to the college yeah. tennis up as well. Yeah, there's a few British tennis players going over there now. And I think yeah. the turning pro 22 or 23, but... US college tennis sounds to me like a very good route. It's very competitive, uh, great coaching. And I think Penniston will kind of rankings pretty quick. I mean, if you look back last year at the Battle of the Brits event, he took Nuri and Edmund to match aside and tie breaks. Yeah. And they're both obviously in the top 100. So I think Penniston's a player that will probably kind the rankings pretty quick. Um, but yeah, I think Jack Drape is probably the one uh, to keep an eye on. I think Jack Draper's the one we've watched probably the most of. Uh, he's played yeah. on the Challenger circuit a few times, playing against some players we follow quite regularly. Um, and he's a, he's such a big guy, isn't he? He's so big. He's 19 years old. I forget the exact height, but he's well over six foot. He's got yeah. a strong serve, brilliant, very overall games, very strong as well. And um, he's certainly one to look out for. Yeah, Draper's yeah, a very exciting young player, in my opinion. I like Jay Clark as well, another big yeah. serve, um, powerful forehand, good at the net. And yeah, I think there's a few men coming along. I think, you know, players like Penniston, I think they'll probably reach the peak a little bit later on. Uh, having turned pro a little bit later. You know, I think Penniston was 23 when he turned pro. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think a couple of good years for Penniston and lots of tennis awfully and he'll climb the, the top 100, I think, in the next two or three years. Yeah, and with um, obviously the women's, Francesca Jones, what a story that is. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't know too much about her really before this tournament. I've always known she's on the fringes. She pulls off some good results here and there, but a bit inconsistent. Uh, but to qualify for a Grand Slam tournament is yeah. just phenomenal. And um, she's really been brought onto sort of the mainstream media now, which is great. Um, yeah. Even on GTL now, we've got a lot of people in that in our comment section always talking about her, cheering her on. And uh, me and Ben are really interested to see how far she can go because we generally think she's the way, the way she was playing in the qualifiers. She can beat a lot of players and maybe cause a few upsets this year. Yeah, I think you know it's a fantastic story. Not just her reaching the yeah. stream open, but if you read about the condition that she has got, she's obviously bang up against it. But she's talked about what I interviewed her a couple of years back, and we blog sort okay. of went mad the other day when she qualified for the Australian Open, and I quickly realised why when I pressed on, you know, the views that that interview had got. Um, but she sort of uses that condition as a positive, you know, she's got real mental strength, she fights for life yeah. on board. Um, and yeah, it's just a fantastic story, and who knows how far it can go, really. Well, it's all the coaches and stuff. I was reading a story about how they was told when she was younger, maybe like six, seven, eight, 
that she would never be able to play tennis. Um, yeah. And it's sort of that, she sort of used that as the fuel to sort of fight yeah. on because her mental side of her game is right up there. And that yeah. maybe has been the biggest weakness of British tennis over the last few years, if you're honest. Like there's a lot of times, uh, I think the media can be very harsh on British tennis players, but a lot mm -hmm. of the time they're always criticising their mental side. Do they have that yeah. extra edge to be able to get there over the line and win tournaments? Uh, Andy Murray's shown that he's been able to do it. Aside from yeah. that, there's been a lot of others who just they've, they've they've been good enough, but they've not been able to get it over the line. With her, yeah. she seems to have that, and I think if she's in a position where she's down under and really under it, I think she can put, uh, find another gear. Yeah, I certainly agree. I mean, she came through a couple of close sets in that Australian yeah. Open qualification, close, yeah. Um, and yeah, well, she's going to be a wild card for that event, so she might get you know. A draw against the likes of Simona Halep, Naomi Osaka, but it'll just be a fantastic occasion for her um, to go out and probably one of the main courts at the Australian yep. Open. Um, and who knows, with the fighting heart that she's got, she's going to be under no pressure. Um, yeah, I don't think there's too much pressure either in terms of like, yeah. at the end of the day, her getting there is an amazing achievement in itself. Let's yeah. see where she can get from this and build on it. Um, because yeah. I think she's going to learn a lot from the experience. She's not got exactly a normal Grand Slam experience especially if she's been one of the ones locked in the hotel room for the last 14 days. Um, but if she can do it this year and have a good run, I'm sure next year when it's a bit more normal, she'll, she'll, she'll storm it. Yeah, she's only 20 years old as well. Which yeah, 20 years old, yeah. Just talking on British tennis, I think the probably go-to person if you're going to say somebody's going to carry the flag for British tennis in the future, I think Emirati Ukanu is definitely the player you look to. Okay. I mean, when she was 15, I remember her going on something like a 24 match winning streak um at the futures events and she's picked up lots of titles um done fantastically well in the uk events last year obviously the famous lob against andy murray at the battle of the brits um and she's just a fantastic um young teenager player got a very strong serve brilliant returner backhand forehand she just seems to have all the tools to go very far in the women's game do you know uh, where she's ranked right now in the women in the on the on the in the rankings, she's around four hundred, um, but she's yeah. only I think eight, I think she just turned eighteen a couple of months okay. back. Yeah, uh, so plenty of time to progress, and like you said, she's um, she's already shown glimpses of yeah. what she can do. Yeah, certainly, and Jodie Burridge as well. Yeah, um, she, she played well. She had three ankle surgeries, I think, by the time she was something like fifteen, sixteen. So she missed a lot of junior tennis. Um, so she's sort of playing catch-up, but again, she's only 21, I think, and obviously played a lot of matches at the Battle of the Brits event, which was good for her form and fitness. Um, she just, yeah, travelled well last year at the back end and got a few big wins, and she's again another player. If she stays fit, she's got a very solid game. I think she can be top 100 probably in the next two or three years as well. So I think yeah. the women's side of British tennis is probably looking better than the men's. Uh, yeah. Kate Porter again, a young player that's coming through. So, yeah, I think British te women's tennis is on the rise and I think we'll see a few good results for them in the next couple of years. Oh, brilliant. I hope so as well. Um, and moving away from the British side of things, uh, obviously we, we touched on the qualifiers for the Australian Open. Did you yeah. get to watch many of their matches? I watched Francesca's... Um, I watched two of hers, but I don't think they were all streamed. Um, but yeah. I didn't see loads of them, um, to be honest. Yeah, it was difficult to see because we did a podcast talking about some of the, the qualifiers to watch out for. We The big one yeah. for us is Alcaraz. We think he is yeah. so deadly and dangerous and what a talent he is at such a young age. We'd mm -hmm. love to see how far he can go. Um, yeah. 
We have Laxanen. We spoke to Laxanen the other night. He's in the he's in the he's quarantined in the hotel right yeah. now. Um, and also Thomas Machak, another young player, has uh, mm-hmm. qualified now for a Grand Slam back to back. Obviously qualifying for the French Open as well. Yeah. Um, these guys, it's very unfortunate the fact that they're going to be they're locked in their hotel room right now. So all of the qualifiers, I think there's 72 yeah. players in total who are under the harshest conditions uh, down in Australia right now. Uh, in their hotel rooms without really any access to anyone. They're just secluded. Mm-hmm. They're not able to do their usual training. Mm-hmm. Um, is it really going to have a big impact on these players, you think? Um, it, as I said to some of the other players who have a bit more luxury to be able to train five hours a day or have access to courts and hitting and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it will definitely. I mean, it's just mentally as well, you know, the likes of Serena and Djokovic and Nadal, you know, yeah. how handle these sort of experiences, I guess. Um, I think... Young players can get frustrated by it, and I do think it'll play, you know, probably a big impact. I think, especially in the couple of first couple of rounds, where they might be a little bit rusty in the black dot practice that you mentioned. Yeah, uh, but if they can get through to, you know, the second third round, you'd expect them to start warming up and finding yeah, the three point board. Uh, but the opening couple of rounds, we could see, you know, muscle injuries coming into factor, um, and you know, some shock results as well. Uh, there's a lot of top players as well of been under the strictest conditions like you mentioned and yeah well, well, one name I want to bring up straight off the bat is actually Andreski on the women's side yeah. I believe she's in some of the strictest conditions yeah and she's someone who me and Ben we we absolutely love her we generally yeah. after Serena Williams we thought she was like especially in that US Open final where she beat Serena we yeah. sort of felt the changing of the guard a little bit in terms of yeah. she has all the skills and the and the skill set to be able to dominate women's tennis since yeah. then there's been a lot of other names sort of in and around, yeah. uh, most notably recently, Sabalenka. She just looks incredible. But yeah. for me, this Andreescu girl, she was the one to beat for a really unfortunate injury. Yeah. Um, it's a shame because Australian Open, I think she could have done really well this year. Can she still do it? Well, I'm with you. I thought Andreescu, I thought it was a change in the guard. You know, the way she yeah. performed against Serena at the US Open final was, I think, was probably underrated at the time, you know, with the fans, especially cheering on Serena the, make the comeback the way yeah. Andrescu, you know, played out that match and the quality of tennis that she produced in the biggest stages was unbelievable at the age that she was. And as yeah. I say, it was a terrible time to get the injury. Um, but the scene is starting to sort of burst in the scene and Sophia Kennan, uh, there's loads of young players really that you could see dominating women's tennis, but I think they could all perhaps share grand slams in the future. But for Andrescu, I think it'll be difficult to come off that sort of layoff um, but at a Grand Slam and, you know, win it. But I think for Andrescu, it has to be, the first priority has to be staying fit, I think. Um, just getting through matches unscathed, playing some good tennis. Um, I don't think the results will be, you know, the main thing in her mind at the moment. She's still very young. Uh, yeah. As long as she can make a positive return and, you know, come out of the tournament unscathed, I think she'll be happy um, in 2021 for her sort of out rebuilding and, you know, picking up that format she had um, pre-injury. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Um, I don't think there's going to be too much pressure on her, like you say. Uh, no one's really expecting the most because she's not been playing, and that's yeah. that's just the, the truth of it. But she def- she does have the skill set, and it wouldn't surprise me if she no. was a bit of a one who goes under the radar. People are not really expecting her to do much this year, and she mm-hmm. goes all the way and wins this tournament. To be honest, I think I forget if Ben predicted her to win this one or the next one, but I don't know we both went for Sabalenka actually. Uh, a bit predictable, I guess, because she's playing so well and she's on a crazy run. Um, have you had any thoughts about your predictions for both the men's and women's uh, tournament this year? 
the women is so wide open. I mean, yeah, Andres could turn up. We've Ashley Bartley's barely played any tennis in 2020. Um, so she's her, raring to go as well. I saw in an interview yeah. or something the other day, she's saying she can't wait to get back on court. It's in Australia as well. Uh, the last time we saw her, I believe, was in the Australian Open. I think she got to the semi finals or quarter finals, yeah, yeah. um, semis. So she's gonna be there and about. You can't really discount her, obviously, the world number one. Yeah, you've got Serena, who's obviously got a bags of experience chasing that record grandstand title. Simone Halep's always bang there. Uh, Sophia Kennan, defending champion, but didn't obviously play well at the Abu Dhabi. Yeah. My pick's probably the boring pick, but I think if Naomi Osaka turns up and produces her A game, I think it's very difficult to stop. Um, she looked back to her best at the US um, in yep. 2020, where she picked up that title. Um, and yeah, I think Osaka, at her ruthless best, serving the way she can I think she has to be favoured to win the title but as you say if, if Andrescu or Ashley Barty turned up after not playing for a year and won this tournament it wouldn't be at all surprising really or even a surprise one like a Rybikine or someone else because we really like yeah. her as well yeah she's my outside pick to be fair uh, but yeah. I think we saw with you know Tech last year wasn't even ranked inside yeah. the top 30 before the French exactly, yeah. she won the Grand Slam without dropping a set did she yeah um, that was her first Grand Slam I believe all I think so. Maybe not. Yeah, but, I think it was. You know, there's even players like Unjabur, who's played very well in 2020. There's so many players outside, even the top 20 or 30, that could turn up and win a Grand Slam. Um, I think the more young players that come through and win Grand Slam sort of gives those low-ranked players even more confidence that they could, you know, replicate that themselves. Um, so, yeah, I think another wide-open women's Grand Slam, really. Yeah, I think with the men's, you'd probably say it's a little bit... Um more easier to predict. And I know based off your Twitter account and some of the uh, blogs you've written, you're a massive Novak Djokovic fan. Like he is your man. You can even see yeah. him there. Look, he's right behind you looking over your shoulder. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've caught much of our stuff, but I'm very much on the Rafa side of things. However, I can admire all tennis players, especially the big three. What they've done mm. is just incredible. And I have yeah. a lot of admiration for all three. Um, yeah. But I do, I have a lot of connection to Rafa purely because of all the French Opens and, in the UK, as you know, we have a lot of coverage on ITV4. And I remember yeah. growing up watching a lot of that, to be honest. Um, but would you say for you, do you think, are you really going to be uh, laying down the, the gauntlet saying this year that Djokovic is going to be winning this title? I think it's tough. Um, I certainly won't bat against Djokovic um, just for his form in Melbourne. I always like to play that's dominated a Grand Slam, like, you know, Rogers dominated Wimbledon over the years, Rafa at the French. Um, Djokovic loves the conditions in Melbourne and I think it's his Grand Slam this one yeah I think the pressure's on Novak you know he's, he's chasing that all-time Grand Slam list and if he's going to do it I think he has to win Melbourne for the next two or three years you know he's three behind Rafa and Roger now so I don't think you can afford to lose the Australian um, especially after what happened in the US but I do think it'll be very hard um, for him to win this tournament I, I do think he's the favourite going in as I say because of those eight Melbourne titles but yeah. Daniel Medvedev's getting him better and better. You know, he's becoming a nightmare for everybody over five sets with his consistency in defence. You've got Dominic Team, who just produced some of the best hardcore tennis I've ever seen uh, in 2020. And if he can back that up, he has yeah. to go with the, you know, Australian Open as one of the favourites. He obviously lost last year in the final, but I put that down to... What an epic final that was. It was a... Well, sorry, was say what you were going to say. Yeah, he's, you know, Team was leading in that one. And I think yeah. had he have won a Grand Slam in the past and had a little bit more conviction in the big stages. I think you could have beat Novak. I think he was a better player. Yeah. Um, but 
he just seemed that his forehand was wayward um, when he needed to be yeah. able to in that fourth set. And from that point, Jotovic ran away with it. But now teams won a Grand Slam. Um, and obviously beat Jotovic Nadal at the ATP finals. Um, he's going to have the confidence going into this. And it wouldn't surprise me if team was lifting this title come February. I think that's Ben's pick. So Ben's pick is Dominic team to lift this trophy. I've gone for a real obscure one, really. Uh, being Daniel Medvedev, obviously he's not really done very well historically over the five sets. I just yeah. think the level I saw from him, uh, uh, obviously the Nitto ATP finals, the last really yeah. real tennis we saw, I thought he was just unplayable. Um, that final against team, he was just so good against, um, I think he played Djokovic and Nadal, I believe. Yeah, in that, in that. Beat yeah, both of them as well. Didn't, didn't, didn't lose yeah. a match, the whole tournament. And um, if he can replic replicate that, even for in spells I think he's just so difficult to play against and with the conditions in Australia I feel like he's someone I, this could be completely false I, I think he can, he's able to deal with the circumstances right now in Australia of being in a hotel room and not having as much training as what you would normally would I think he can yeah. deal with that a little bit better than say a Dominic team who loves yeah. to be, spend every minute on court yeah yeah I think Medvedev's Improving all the time, as you say, his, his mentality just seems to be rock solid. Um, but his game, like his counter punch and his defence, his fitness, he's just set out to be a Grand Slam champion, in my opinion, especially in a hard court. And with that first serve that he's got, you know, you can you can rattle off games in 30, 40 seconds um, with four yeah. competitive aces. And having that in your arsenal is a massive weapon um, on a hard court. But my outside picks to find a sitter pass. And okay. Again, he hasn't had the best Grand Slam results in the past, but I think the more Sitsipas matures over the years, I think he'll get better and better. I mean, we've seen at the Nitto ATP finals in 2019 and 20, um, that French Open semi-final against Djokovic, that he has the ability to blow anybody off the court for an hour yeah. or two. And it's just about him putting it all together for two weeks. I think in Grand Slams in the past, in the first week, <coughs> excuse me, He's sort of been lapsed in the open stages of Grand Slams where he's let these low-ranked players drag him into wars in four or five-hour battles and he's either been dumped out or took all the energy out of him for the later rounds. Um, so he hasn't really turned up. But I think if he can turn up and get into a rhythm in rounds one and two and get that serve and forehand going, then I think he's capable of beating anybody in a fast, hard court. So he's my outside pick, but I do think the favourites have to be um, team and Djokovic, really. I think Sitterpass has a great chance if his dad's left at home, to be honest. I think yeah. that whole relationship seems very toxic and it doesn't seem to work for me personally. No, yeah. um, I've seen times when he's not there, the dad and Sitterpass seems to be flying. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think, yeah, I agree with that. I think if his dad stays at home, he's probably got a better chance. But yeah, as I say, I don't think Djokovic is a clear outright favourite. I mean, he's got a much better record than Rafa over the last few years yeah. in the hard court, but we all know what Rafa's like. I mean, we've never seen anybody with a competitive streak and fight that Rafa's got. Um, if Rafa yeah. would turn up and, you know, replicate that Aussie Open win in 2009, was it? Um, yeah. then, you know, it wouldn't at all be surprising. We obviously know Rafa wins this event. He goes to having the most Grand Slams ever. I think both of them really, Novak and Nadal, for a change, there's actually quite a, a little bit of pressure, underlying yeah. pressure in terms of a lot at stake right now. No Federer as well in the mix. So yeah. Just leaving in between them two. Uh, obviously, like I said earlier, I'm a massive Rafa fan, mm -hmm. um, but I just don't see him personally doing great in this tournament. Mm. Um, I would, like you say, he's got that fight in him where anything's really possible. 
I think yeah. Djokovic is the is the favourite for me personally, based off his history here yeah. uh, and everything else. But I think the the chasing pack of Team and Medvedev, specifically them two, is super super dangerous. Maybe a Sverev as well. If yeah. things are firing, his second serve starts to improve. You never know. Uh, I wouldn't want to be playing him either, to be honest. Yeah, it's one of them. I think Djokovic has to be favoured just because you're the you know, the next gen and Dominic team do have those questions. I mean, obviously, can Dominic team repeat that form of 2020? And, you know, Medvedev and Zverev yet to win Grand Slam. So, Djokovic has to be favoured just for that reason that he loves conditions yeah. in Melbourne and he's he's got experience of lifting this title eight times. Um, so, if it comes down to deciding sets and semi-finals and finals, then you have to give Djokovic that edge. But, yeah, Zverev's another interesting one. I think the only problem with Zverev is that second serve. You know, it's... It's, I've, I've talked about it for years and years and waited for the improvement. It never seems to. Um, yeah. The forehand as well can be very hit or miss for Zverev and I just don't think he's ready quite yet to beat the top players. Um, but The yeah. thing is with him though, yeah. it's hard to keep saying, is it, when's he going to be ready? He's been on the yeah. tour for ages, this guy now. Um, it's kind of to his own de- detriment really because he, he broke into the scenes at such a young age. People yeah. and, like would think he's a lot older than what he is. I think he's only 23, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And you'd think he's about 27, to be honest, at 28. He's been on tour for so yeah. long, it seems. So I think that comes to his own downside in a way because people are always expecting him, oh, when are you actually going to be winning Grand Slams and stuff? He come close last year, got to a final. It wasn't a, a, a vintage final. Some of no. the tennis looked very shaky at times between them two. Um, but Sverev definitely has the, he has the weapons. It's just the consistency for me with him. And like you say, the second serve. Yeah, when he first came through, I mean, the pressure just piled on him as a teenager. I don't think he particularly dealt well with that. No, I didn't. Um, but, you know, he was after Djokovic, Federer and Nadal, he was the one that was sort of always going to challenge us for Grand Slams. But over the past two or three years, I think even Sitsipas, Medvedev team have sort of improved past him. Um, so perhaps now he is an underdog and not one of the favourites. He might play better with that pressure off. Um, but while he's got such a vulnerable second serve, I can't see him beating a Djokovic team on a hard court over five sets. Um, you know, he just gifts games away and you can't do that against the top, top players. Yeah, and just um, there's, there's two players actually I want to speak about now uh, who aren't going to be in the tournament this year. Very, very sad. And that is Federer and Andy Murray. Yeah. So these two players, obviously they've been sort of ravaged with their injuries. More so Murray with the fact that it's not looking great right now. He's outside the top 100. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not that old where you'd expect him still to be competing with these big guys. You see how how, how old uh, Federer is right now and he's still doing it. Or yeah. Djokovic, Nadal as well. Um, what can we expect from Andy Murray? Because there's been some harsh things said about him, saying, oh, he's writing him off. I think Mats Willander saying he's not going to ever really amount to much more anymore. Um other people I've seen, some on YouTube, Gil saying that he's going to, he, he actually fancies him to reach the top 10 this year, which is crazy for me. Uh, well, what's your sort of uh, stance on Andy Murray? I could never see him challenging for a Grand Slam title again or getting back in the top 10 personally. Um, I just think he's been out too long now. And I think we've seen when he's come back that he can play pretty good solid tennis for one or two matches. But then the fatigue starts to set in, the pain seems to come back. Um, and when you've got the level of tennis, like we've talked about, the Medvedevs, the teams, the Djokovic's who are absolutely at peak fitness and in the peak form, even Rafa as well, um, just playing some incredible tennis over four or five hours, I can't see 
Murray ever yeah. making it at that level again. Um, I just think, you know, the surgery that he had was obviously very serious and at 33-year-old now, you know, I was I can't see him ever getting back to the level that he was, which is a massive shame. You know, he was an unbelievable flag bearer for British tennis and, yeah. you know, he probably inspired, you know, loads of British kids and in Brit- in loads of kids in Britain to pick up a tennis racket. Um, you know, what he's done for the sport has been fantastic and the way he's sort of gone out with that hip injury is awful to see, but I personally can't see him ever challenging for a Grand Slam or reaching the top 10 again just because of the level that's at the top of the moment. So what would your advice be to Andy Murray then? Would you recommend him continue to keep playing or do you think it's sort of ruining his legacy now, uh, continuing to play outside the top 100, not really amounting to many victories, getting doing well in even some of the ATV 250 events? Um, so what would you suggest for him? I think he'll... I think he said at the start that if he didn't think he could win titles, he wouldn't be competing anymore. Um, but I do wonder whether that's starting to creep into his mind that even he's starting to doubt himself now. I think it's largely down to him. I think I don't think Murray's a person that would just exist on the tour sort of thing. I don't think he would keep yeah. even if he was just going okay. to go in the first rounds. Um, you know, he's a champion. He's been world number one. He doesn't really need tennis anymore if he's not going to reach the top. Um, I would just love to see Murray play at Wimbledon, um, even if he just had one last match on a centre court in round one or something and got a full house, which looks unlikely this year, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but just to see Murray back at Wimbledon for the last time, get that sort of farewell um, would be nice. But it's obviously up to Andy if he still thinks he can compete and he has those ambitions to reach the top 10, then albeit go for it. But I think if it gets to a point where Andy doesn't believe in himself anymore, I do think he'll bow the sport pretty quick. Well, he's been a bit unfortunate as well. Obviously, he's just got he's contracted COVID recently, yeah. so hopefully he recovers from that uh, well. And yeah. Um, yeah, he was he was he was trying to play in the Australian Open, so it's a bit unfortunate with how everything sort of panned out for him. But like you say, I think it is very difficult now to see him ever really reach the top of the game again. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens with him. But someone who I think is still in the in the conversation is is my man Roger. Yeah. Um, for me, he's what's he? How old's he now? 30, 39, 39, 39. Yeah, so that's just unbelievable, really. 39 years old, and people still talking with the fact that it wouldn't be that surprising if he went and won another Wimbledon. Not at all. I mean, was it 2018 when he had the serious knee surgery and had a year off and then came back and won the Australian Open? Um, so if he's doing that at you know 36, 37, which he was at the time, um, you can't write him off, especially at Wimbledon. I mean. You know, he pushed Jotovic to the very edge. Exactly. Um, the last Wimbledon we saw, he was there. It was so close. Them two match points. That 2019 final, he was, you know, 37 and he pushed Jotovic obviously the absolute limits, having those two championship points. So you can just never write Roger off. Um, even we saw this event last year when he, you know, came back from, was it six match points down? And, you know, even played very well against Djokovic in the opening set of that quarterfinal. Um, he did run out of steam and, you know, lose this second and third convincingly, but, you know, he pushed Djokovic in the opening set and I think he led 5-2 at one point. So, you can never write Roger off, especially with Mullen with the crowd behind him and all the history he's got there. You know, he's um, he'll probably going that Wimbledon event is still one of the favourites, I imagine. Yeah, no, it'd be brilliant as well. I'd love to see him um, compete really at the highest level again. I'm, I'm hoping he can. But it's still a bit yeah. scary because he's he's getting on now and um, not seen him back on court for a while. So unfortunately, mm. he's pulled out the Australian Open. Obviously, he's not in the ATP Cup as well, which has happened before. 
Um, but like you say, I, I do generally believe 2021, he's, st- he's still going to, he's going to show us something special, I hope. Yeah, you can never write him off. And I mean, I can't really picture tennis without Roger Federer. I mean, as long as I've, yeah. I'm only 23, yeah. so as, long as, as long as I've watched it, he's always been in finals. So even like last year, not seeing him in the quarterfinals and semifinals, it's, it's very strange. Um, so to see Roger like retire will be, you know, crazy really. And the tennis, I don't think it'll ever be the same without him. Um, but you do wonder how long he'll go on. Now he's got obviously the two sets of twins. Does he want to keep traveling? And yeah. you know, if he does Big require yeah. maybe does he want to risk have, like not being able to walk probably like Andy Murray was? Um and you know, next year at 40 year old, you do whether wonder whether if we can have fans at Mother next year that he will bow out um on centre court, but it's obviously the Roger he may play at least 40 or 50 and probably still win matches, but yeah, it's obviously up to him. Yeah, brilliant, Dan. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, before before we let you go, the last yeah. thing we wanted to speak about was actually just briefly about the ATP Cup. Uh, yeah. No GB in it. Is there a nation who you think strongest and who are you going to be cheering on? Um, Serbia, just kind of a massive Djokovic fan. Yeah. Uh, I think they probably have to be the favourites just because you can usually bank on Djokovic on a hard court. Um, <laughs> And last year as well, they won it. And yeah, it was well, incredible yeah. last year. Then. So, yeah, I think Serbia's probably got the strongest team with having Djokovic on paper and being the defending champions. But, yeah, I think the ATP Cup's uh, a great event and just looking forward to watching, really. Yeah, exactly. Shame uh, GB can't be there, but hopefully next year, maybe. Yeah, hopefully next year with Andy Murray um, leading the line. But... It could be all change. Obviously, Dan Evans had a very good last year. Um, Cam Norrie as well. So we're going to need somebody to sort of take over Andy Murray and you know fly the flag yeah. for tennis. I think we need a Jack Draper, man. Jack Draper just have a phenomenal year, and twenty twenty two he's going to be there flying the flag for Britain. Hopefully, um, import me don't put too much pressure on him too early. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm doing exactly yeah. what I've said. Don't do. But that's just what I feel like we do that as a nation. It's a bit of a problem, uh, especially yeah. the media. They're some of the worst for doing it, but it's what it is. I just really believe in the guy and I'm, and I'm sure he can reach the heights. Yeah, I'm with you. I think him and Muradu Kanu, both teenagers, um, I think both can have fantastic futures in the game and hopefully, you know, do very well at Wimbledon and attract a whole new audience to the sport in Britain, especially. Yeah, so thanks for that, Dan. Uh, I'll let you get on with your day. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, Thanks for everyone watching. If you've not already, please like the video, subscribe to the channel and uh, go subscribe to Dan's channel as well. Go look at his um, WorkPress. You have it on. You have uh, a lot of your blogs on there. Yeah, yeah. I've got my YouTube channel. That's just my name, Dan Rodenby. And I always leave me links in the description to my Twitter and blog on there. So if you do want to check anything out, um, do so. But yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. Um, hope everyone enjoys the tournament. I think in lockdown it'll probably be you know even better having two weeks of Grand Slam tennis to get stuck into. Yeah. Um, so do follow the podcast and also my content as well throughout the tournament. Um, hope everyone takes care and stays safe. Yeah, we'll stick your links in the bottom of our description as well, so you can check can check it out. But thanks again, mate, and uh, hopefully we'll have a brilliant Australian Open and ATV Cup before. Perfect. Thanks a lot, mate. Cheers. See ya.
Sports Social Podcast Network.